in my early 20s, I was on MTV. And so it was a wild ride going from middle class Canada, where the audiences are a fraction of what they are in America, to all of a sudden being in the middle of the pop culture zeitgeist. So it was a big quantum leap. And at first I had to hold on for my dear life. I felt like I was not worthy and I needed to have a Grammy to be in some of these rooms that I was in. And so it was a big, big process of owning why I was there, why I belonged. And over time, I started to actually accept how I had a seat at the table and had fun with it and was able to learn a lot from these folks and become friends with some of them and get over some of my stuff that would have me feeling insecure sometimes. Welcome to Men This Way, the podcast for every man who seeks to live his deepest purpose in life, who's committed to showing up fully and giving his unique gifts to the world. Because if not you, then who? I'm your host and fellow journeyman, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y, Reeves. Men, this way. Are you still pursuing success, recognition, or just more likes on your posts because you think it'll make you happy? Do you compare your success to others and come up short? Do you hide your authenticity to sell yourself or your brand? Or do you overuse, abuse vulnerability to get what you want? Well, in this episode, Caduce Philippe and I mine these questions and more for useful insights to make a meaningful difference in your life. If Oprah and Ryan Seacrest had a love child, that kid would end up being like Caduce. That's what comedian Chris Rock said about my guest today, Caduce Philippe. Caduce first burst onto the world platform as host of MTV's biggest show, Total Request Live, from 2001 to 2006. And he's since interviewed and connected with and worked with the biggest stars and celebrities on the planet, like Will Smith, Beyonce, Jay-Z, Ben Affleck, Denzel Washington, Usher, Justin Timberlake, and pretty much anyone else you might think of. But that's not why I invited Caduce on to Men This Way. I invited him on because since fate craftily brought our paths together, not once, but twice, in completely serendipitous moments, I've come to know Caduce as a deeply inspired and inspiring man in his own right, and as a friend. He's also a fascinating study in energy, because he's one of the most visibly luminous and energetic people I've ever met. I first met him at the end of a four-day transformational workshop, where I had been partnered up as a workshop buddy with a recent ex-girlfriend of his, this beautiful Romanian actress model that I would naturally have an ill-fated crush on for the ensuing month or so after that workshop. But when Caduce came on the last evening, and all friends and family had been invited to attend the last evening of this particular workshop, I only remember his bright smile and this outrageous charisma and his massive energy that he just lit up the room such that I felt like 
like the tiny little blue dot we call Pluto, I felt like I'd just been placed in proximity to a massive exploding sun. But I didn't get to know Caduce that night. That happened a few years later, when I overheard him deftly navigating an uncomfortable phone conversation in the lobby at the posh and exclusive Soho House in Hollywood, where I was teaching a relationship workshop. Caduce attended my workshop that day, and soon after, he invited me to attend the first weekend of a new workshop that he was creating with his brilliant and talented in her own right wife, Carmina. It's a workshop called Camera Ready, in which they teach participants who have an important message that they want to get into the world how to be really authentic on video to help them connect with audiences to make a meaningful, lasting impact. Media training from the inside out, they call it. And I can't imagine more important work for anyone who uses media, including social media, for their work. And one last thing before we dive in. Caduce and I recorded an earlier interview, which had quickly turned into more of a coaching session as he was going through a tough moment. Now, we decided not to share that, but we do refer to it in this video. And I just tell you that so that you're not confused when it comes up. Definitely stay tuned for Caduce's five key takeaways at the end of this episode of Men This Way. All right, let's dive. Caduce Philippe, my friend. So good to have you. So good to have you on Men This Way. So good to be here. Third time's a charm. (laughs) Right? Couple starts there with this interview, and now we are finally locking it in. Couple false starts, and and I want to just bring people into the behind the scenes and you know how. Life is messy and, and anything we do is a little bit messy. And but you and I had a really powerful conversation. Yeah. For the first, well, the second go on this on this podcast episode. Yeah. And what happened for you in that? Wow. It was a moment where you caught me in a moment yeah. that was challenging for me to hack through the weeds of my relationship and some other stuff that was in the mix. And so it was really amazing to have that conversation with you yeah. and it ended up being more of a therapy session for me than a podcast interview and that's <laughs> the beauty of being able to jam with a friend in this yeah you know? yeah. yeah man it was powerful because it's so interesting because i showed up for that you know i'm interviewing holding a conversation and all of a sudden it was and i had this intuitive hit to ask you this question how are you feeling and i rarely start off these conversations with that but i had that hit how are you feeling and whoa man you brought it and I appreciate that. <laughs> Shared all about my feelings. Yeah. And so I just wanted to, to share that with our listeners too, because I'm really, I'm really, you know, since I met you a number of years ago now at that transformational workshop where your friend was attending, I can't remember her name, but I, I was there. I was her buddy for the weekend. Oh yeah. And you showed up at the end, kind of the, when all the friends and family are invited and Dude, you were just like, we'd had a great time that weekend, but then all of a sudden it's like someone just turned on the actual light switch. Caduce <laughs> showed up and it was like, Moo! like just, man, it was your, your energy was electric. Thanks. And, you know, as I've just learned more about you and, you know, the thing that I'm really excited to explore today, I know this is going to be a little bit shorter episode than normal, but your proximity to fame. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's been a lighthouse in some ways. Uh-huh. And in some ways, there's been an imposter syndrome yeah. from this kid from Canada that's around some of the biggest stars in the world. In my early 20s, I was on MTV. And so yeah. it was 
a wild ride going from middle-class Canada where the audiences are a fraction of what they are in America to all of a sudden uh-huh. in the middle of the pop culture zeitgeist. Yeah. So it was a big quantum leap. And yeah. at first I had to hold on for my dear life. I felt like I was not worthy and I needed to have a Grammy to be in some of these rooms that I was in. Mm. And so it was a big, big process of owning why I was there, why I belonged. And over time, I started to actually accept how I had a seat at the table and had fun with it and was able to learn a lot from these folks and become friends with some of them and get over some of my stuff that would have me feeling insecure sometimes. And I mean, that's really why Carmine and I started Camera Ready, this workshop series that we have in this training that really was the training that we wish we had when we were coming up in television mm-hmm. that could actually mm-hmm. support in breaking through some of those things that would get in the way of my joy on the job. Yeah. So it was a really layered experience and um, man, a lot of stories to share. That's for sure. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's why I wanted to share with our audience too, that we had that initial conversation that we recorded and it turned in almost like you said, more of a coaching therapy session and we weighed whether or not to share that, mm-hmm. to actually publish that. And because, again, there's this illusion, this myth that, you know, when you make it, when you're successful, when you're around fame, I mean, especially in today's social media culture, yeah. the influencer cultures, like everyone who looks like they've made it has this front and it's bullshit. There's so much bullshit to it. It doesn't make you happy. And so I wanted to invite people in. We decided not to share that episode. And why is that? Yeah, that's a great question because I think that was an important conversation to make lots of meaning about my feelings and then realize that sometimes our feelings are not meant to make meaning off of. Yeah. And sometimes feelings are like farts and they come and go. And next thing you know, (laughs) you're in a different frame of mind than you were when you're feeling that feeling. And Mm. so a lot of the stuff that came up on this last call was stuff that no longer feels true. And we move through those feelings. Thankfully with your amazing interview (laughs) therapy session, it was helpful because I got to actually express some of that stuff. But yeah, I really feel like it's important to not necessarily always share the whole extent of a relationship as it's in one of those moments, because then it becomes something that makes me question what is sacred then? Mm. Mm-hmm. And, and what is actually meant to be broadcast versus actually worked out in privacy? Yeah. It's a thin line nowadays, it seems. You know, it really is. I've had to navigate that in my relationship because I was one of those writers, personalities who really kind of got my name on the map, if you will, by being totally transparent about what I was experiencing going through. And this was as a single man mm. in a relationship. Oof. That doesn't really work <laughs> quite the same because <laughs> I have someone else's sensibilities, though, to consider. Right. Exactly. And that's the thing. I hold her heart so dear. My wife Armina, yeah. is a queen. And so for me to be wading through the waters on air as we haven't come to a resolution ourselves feels like it's putting something ahead of our relationship and the sacredness mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. So that was the dance that we we're doing with that last call. And it was a powerful call. I mean, it really was helpful to, to get through that. And now we're 
in love again and feeling great. But yeah, it's a testament to how sometimes relationships are not what they always are in the romance movies where mm-hmm. you get swept up off your feet and, and then it's love for the rest of the story. Yeah. Those, uh, those challenging times that bring up doubt and yeah. fear and all of that stuff. So yeah, I'm glad that we got to talk about it. I am too. And I, and I, again, I'm really just present too because of, of how this went down and how you and I both went through this and really honoring your relationship and realizing that, yeah, that, that conversation was powerful, but it, it isn't for, that was for you and I and really Carmina and it wasn't for the world. And I think there's this idea and, and man, I have been so victim to it that in this day and age, you know, using vulnerability mm-hmm. to gain oh, I don't know, success in whatever externalized form that may look like, or that when you're famous, there's this expectation that we should know everything about you. Or, And I think, again, you know, your proximity to fame, you know, I worked with an artist, Ash Ruiz, who was in the band Menudo. Hmm. You know, he replaced Ricky Martin in Menudo. And he told me, you know, he was partying with some of the biggest stars in the world. And he saw overwhelmingly how miserable people were. Mm. with all the success in the world. And I'm curious, you, know, you just went to India where I've been to India a few times and yeah, the poverty, at least seen through the eyes of a Western mind mm-hmm. is staggering. And yet you experienced something there in the people. Yeah. Yeah. India was a really special thing because there is that poverty, but then there's such a beautiful alignment around their faith and you know, to look at how it actually plays out day to day and how everybody's bought into their faith there. And it really has people be a certain way with each other consistently. And it's really beautiful, you know, so to see how they make it about their community, they make it about their moment to moment and, and stay humble within their experience. And, you know, yes, there's Bollywood as well. There's those dynamics potentially over there too. I didn't see a ton of that over there. What I saw was people who were navigating these congested streets and doing it with grace and Mm. doing it with the idea that karma is a real thing. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. I think true up to that, and it seems like it really works for that place in terms of the the crime rate you'd think would be a lot worse given some of the depiction that we see of India and the Western world. Mm -hmm. But I was surprised to see that crime is not really as bad as you'd think. Mm -hmm. A friend of mine, an actor here in L.A., shared with me a couple of days ago that he has a, a, a good friend of his who is an actor he, whom he will not name, which I understand because apparently this actor is a incredibly successful and big shows and all this. And But he shared this story with me about how when this actor made it big, he essentially just rented or, or bought a mansion, you know, one of these giant Bel Air homes that had all the furniture still in it. Mm. Like none of it was his own stuff. He just sort of moved into this, you know, palatial estate Mm. and he's been there for a number of years and he's still doing his thing and acting and very successful. And yet my friend was sharing with me that again, he's essentially, he's miserable. He's lonely. He's not content at a very deep level. And, you know, living in Hollywood, it's like we're exposed to this, so much this desire for that level of success. Yeah. And I mean, what have you seen in your 
travels in that world and your experience in that world and your proximity to fame and having it yourself, you know, being the, the host of TRL and all the other things that you've done. And I mean, what's been your experience with that? Well, it's been varied. Some people are actually genuinely happy and they're at the top of their game and they're owning it and it's amazing. They're entourage is chock full of genuine supporters, family, friends, Mm. all of that. And then there's also the contrast and folks that, you know, are are not necessarily altogether aligned in their values when they step out on stage. And it's a little crunchy in that way. Mm -hmm. So for me, I know it was definitely a lot different than what it seemed on camera. At times I was feeling really insecure Mm. feeling like I needed to keep up with the Joneses. And Mm -hmm. here I was, this kid from Canada who had never even watched MTV growing up. Mm -hmm. And yet all of a sudden I was a host on MTV. Mm -hmm. And so really, really, really rich learning curve in lifestyle changes and how we really do roll out the red carpet for celebrities in a way that it's idol worship. Mm-hmm. And there's healthy and unhealthy of that, like with anything, right? And so yeah. I think with a lot of people getting thrown up the pedestal, that can be a lot of pressure. I actually just watched the documentary Amy recently. Amy Winehouse? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I actually never got a chance to meet Amy, but I've gotten a chance to interview a lot of artists who have a dark side that can be challenging to navigate in this public eye. And yeah. I certainly have had some challenges with that. It, it because you know when when I watched the Truman Show with Jim Carrey, oh, yeah. it really shows what the full extent of this sort of media landscape could be. In some ways, a lot of people are doing that with social media the way it is. Yeah, yeah, you know, and 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 it's not a knock on it. It's just it's a new landscape yeah. of transparency and or not transparent and, and more posturing and positioning and strategy and less about what's really going on. So it, it's, a, it's a whole spectrum, right? Like any American neighborhood, sounds like. Any block, <laughs> you got the, those are whatever the socioeconomic level is, you've got the people who are just in their integrity, living in alignment, true to themselves, being honest with the people around them and showing up for their community. And then you have the people that are just completely uh, either you know predators or, as you said, like out of alignment, not in integrity, whether they're making money or not. It's like just sounds like any any street corner, whether Bel Air or I don't know Columbia, Maryland, where I came from, mm-hmm. or, or Chicago, anywhere. Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those things. I think with anything, it's what we make it, and mm-hmm. I think some people are able to navigate those waters in grace and gratitude and. And yeah, it can be challenging for others. And I, and I think it's one of those things that uh, I'm certainly sensitive to. <laughs> I've been alongside a lot of these giants and, and seen their humanity. And it's, it's really humbling. Yeah. yeah. I think the reason that this is really meaningful to me is, you know, I'm 44 years old and or 44 years exquisite, <laughs> as I prefer to say. And, you know, there's a part of me that always feels like I should be more successful than I am. Mm. I don't know who the hell I'm comparing myself to, but there's, it's in there somewhere. I should be more successful than I am. And I think that this is something that certainly not every man or woman for that matter, but I think a lot of us men live with constantly mm. that idea that we, I should be more successful. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's a competitive thing that I feel like 
we got grown up in with sports and capitalism yeah. is in some ways that system where we're constantly stacking our accomplishments up against other people. And yeah, comparison is the thief of joy. It really is because comparison is the thief of joy. I like that. If, if I'm in my lane and it's amazing in this lane and yet I look over at your lane and I speculate about what that lane could be like, it can be taking away from the lane that I'm in and feeling fractured. You know, it's funny when I drive in traffic on a four lane highway, I always want to be in the fastest moving lane and I feel better as long as every lane ain't moving. I'm okay. <laughs> it's either, either I'm in the fastest lane or just nobody's moving. That's what it kind of requires for me to oh, relax, which is, yeah. it's that same kind of, it's endless and it's exhausting. It is. It is. I, I think that, that keeping up with the Joneses dynamic mm-hmm. is actually a game that nobody ever wins because mm-hmm. where does it end? Yeah. There's always somebody to compare and who's got more success, more platinum records, more gold records, more money, maybe a fitter wife, whatever, like all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And it's really, really great to be able to find that contentment. I think that's one of the things I saw in India that really inspired me the most was that level of contentment mm-hmm. because part of the belief system for the most part in the country is that whatever we were born into, whatever the circumstances are, that it's actually meant that way. And so it's our dharma to live out that path. And so there's less of a achievement, reinvention, let's take it to the next level sort of mentality. It's about actually appreciating what we have. I heard a great definition for happiness, which is happiness is choosing what we have. Mm. I remember I stayed in uh, Egypt when I got out of the military. I traveled through Egypt for a few months and I stayed with a very wealthy family near the pyramids. I mean, my literally out of my bedroom window where I stayed at this home with this family, mm-hmm. the bedroom window was the, the, the great pyramid of Giza, like framed in the window perfectly. The actual pyramid, not a picture yeah. of it, the actual pyramid. Yeah. But I remember in their home, looking down on the street, we'd sit on the balcony with one of the brothers and looking down on the street, it looked to me like the people in the street who seemed, again, from through my Western eyes, I would say poor, didn't seem to have many resources or money, but man, they looked really happy. Mm-hmm. They were having a lot of fun. They looked, they were having a lot more fun than we were having in that, in that opulent apartment, where it's kind of like you felt like you shouldn't really touch things or there wasn't a lot of life going on. There was much more sort of how much money have we made today? What's, I, I never forgot that. Mm. It sounds like that's what you also really touched and, and experienced in India. Yeah, I think that the, the quality of, of life, it breaks into a bunch of different categories. One of them is obviously being able to put food on the table and those basic necessities. And if they've got that covered on the very basic level and they're not too worried about striving and crushing it and looking mm-hmm. good and all of those things then it really is about moment to moment. How's my family doing? How are my friends doing? And that being the game. Yeah. It's, it's about that, that quality of connection rather than that, that quality of crushing it. <laughs> so let's talk about camera ready then, because I know this is something that you and Carmina created together. Mm-hmm. I went to your first workshop and I know when you first launched this, I was very honored to be a part of that inaugural experience. Thank you for that. And I know there's been many iterations since then. But how then is that a reflection of what we're talking about here? Like, what are you really doing in that work? 
What are you most excited about? What's the purpose of that work? Yeah. Well, what we noticed coming up in the media world was that any learning that we were doing was on the job. And it came with the idea of a bottom line and not necessarily a learning curve. (laughs) And so obviously I had great producers, but their job was not to have me in a learning environment. It was more so to cater to the bottom line of the ratings that we need to have Mm -hmm. in order to get the ad dollars. So it's a different space. It's not a learning environment. Although there's learning there, it's just a different dynamic. So what we noticed was how valuable it is to actually have a practice ground, just like how basketball players make a point of scrimmaging and having practice like that. Mm -hmm. Same with actors being able to rehearse their lines with each other. And yet, what would it be like for us to actually be able to have a space to practice stretching out of our comfort zone to have even more of our full self be Mm -hmm. realized Mm -hmm. and have a tribe of people, a circle of people to witness that and support any blind spots that might not be clear for whoever's on front of the room. Mm -hmm. So that's really the intention of it is to give a practice ground, to give a, a space where it's safe and we can actually explore who we really are. And worry about a bottom line at the same time. Yeah, I think that's what I most enjoyed about that workshop and your work was, look, I've never been a part of the TV industry of that. uh, You know, I managed an independent music band, but that was a spiritual music band here to here. We were playing at like Agape Spiritual Center and things like, you know, the Centers for Spiritual Living and Yoga Studios, totally different world. And I think what I really enjoyed about working with you and seeing you and Carmina, what you were being a stand for. And Carmina also, I mean, in her own right, she's also been immersed in entertainment industry, right? Telemundo, is that right? Univision? Univision, yeah. And so what I really noted was that you're really being a space for people with a message to explore their authenticity. How do we bring that with authenticity rather than just, again, putting on a show to get attention? Totally. Yeah, totally. And, and it's a shedding of so much conditioning because so much of what our culture does from schooling, going through school and being in that testing environment where everything you do is standardized, essentially, it becomes a frame that we then can go through life with. You know, parents can raise a, expectations of how we're supposed to be and and the media is another layer of, of that conditioning. And so it's so easy to slip into inauthenticity based on so much stimulus mm-hmm. outside of us that tells us we're supposed to be one way or another and encourage us to come buy our products here. Yeah. So marketing has the tendency of making things look like they need to be a certain way. And so all that lends itself to a space that sometimes can be challenging to find oneself in. And so a coaching environment like Camera Ready is something that helps people to really discover their unique voice and really break through the noise, right? We have a lot of people online creating a lot of content. So how can we each stand out and deliver what we're meant to deliver? It's by being ourselves. Yeah. And I think, uh, again, a, a really powerful distinction in all of this is, and we mentioned it earlier, is it's one thing to be vulnerable. It's another thing to use vulnerability to mm-hmm. get something right totally different yeah it, it definitely has a different flavor to it <laughs> and i think vulnerability is always valuable on some level mm-hmm. so even if it has the intention of then having someone buy a program <laughs> or click through and 
whatever it is, sign up for a newsletter, whatever it is, I think that vulnerability can be valuable even with that sort of intention. Yeah, of course. But yeah, vulnerability for vulnerability's sake, where it's just, hey, here is the truth that I'm experiencing right now. Woo! I mean, that becomes healing work, right? It becomes transcendent. It doesn't feel like uh, three-step marketing positioning ploy. It, it feels like, wow, we're seeing the heart of someone here. And, and Lord knows I've had my challenges with vulnerability because sometimes it feels hot in the kitchen going there, like that last interview we did. Mm-hmm. And that was an example of where some vulnerability, wow, it can go almost to the point of not really being something that others can connect to in a way that tells a story or creates value for others, right? So in content creation, it's always a dance, isn't it? It's like, how do I tell a story, be vulnerable, also connect dots for other people? Yeah, absolutely, man. And and I think this is something I want to really stress this because doing that interview Again, I, I walk this line often of being genuinely vulnerable, but then wanting to use vulnerability to get something or get somewhere or have an outcome. And it becomes something else. I think there's, it's a really, really fine line because, you know, what I really enjoyed in that conversation with you gave me an opportunity to practice really staying in integrity. Mm. Because, you know, as we explored that and I realized, you know, there's a part of me as a show creator in this podcast and man, whatever comes, I want to put it out. Like there's a part of me, it's like, let's share this with the world. It's like, it doesn't matter who it hurts or how people feel about it. This is vulnerability. This is, and that's a very dangerous place to play because we can really hurt people. Yeah, it can be. We can do damage. And I think that's why, you know, I keep coming back to this because I think one of the fundamental stresses that that men especially live with, and again, you see it in the entertainment industry, is the bottom line versus genuinely caring about people mm-hmm. and, and about the world. It's so easy, you know. And in, in the entertainment world, men predominantly, women too, to some degree, we will exploit art and beauty mm. so long as it puts money in our pocket. Can be, yeah. It's really it's dynamic because there is a bottom line to tend to, right? We're not in a building system. (laughs) No doubt. We wish, I mean, hey, Burning Man is an amazing event because it's not money being exchanged, but at the same time, we're out. We still pay $400 or more for a ticket. It ain't free. We don't just show up and it's all this is put, all this structure, infrastructure is in place. Yeah, it's definitely an amazing glimpse into what's possible for us. But as it is in this dimension, in this, Reality, it is about how do we feed our children and our family or our wives and at the same time have integrity about what we're up to in the world. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's one of those things when, when making content, I always felt that pull towards making content that really impacted and made a difference. And yet some of that content was not as sticky for people, was not as compelling for people. Mm. I, I remember doing a show with AOL. It was a documentary series where we went with a celebrity who was doing great charity work. And I remember going to a neighborhood in the south part of LA and mm-hmm. Watts that we were in. And we ended up building a home with Habitat for Humanity. And it was a Disney star named Tiffany. And she was really sweet. Mm. And the whole show was really sweet. We had this park <laughs> that went from building in it to seeing a family go in there. And 
it was really sweet. And yeah, it's not quite the same ratings as yeah. some of the entertainment news shows that I've worked on that, yeah. know, all sorts of sensationalistic gossip and yeah. all these headlines that made me simultaneously barf and also get curious. Like, oh, who's dating who now? You know, it's, it, sure. you know it's, at certain points in my life, I was really into that, if I'm being honest. And so, yeah, it's definitely been something that I felt at odds with sometimes but at the end of the day we got to do what our heart tells us to do and that's why we decided to do camera ready yeah well i i think so long as we suppress our shadow and try to avoid the discomfort and the dark side of our our being we are simultaneously so drawn to it mm. and i mm. think that's what a lot of our entertainment capitalizes on Hmm. Mm. that's so so good that's such a great point what we resist persists right exactly yep Whew, man yeah. So the trick is actually embracing the darkness so that it doesn't subconsciously come up that's right. that we don't want it to. That's right. Yeah. I mean, there's so much, I mean, that's as a coach, it's one of the things I enjoy most doing is going into that shadow, that darkness, the, the pain, the, even the emotional pain or the, the mental, the stories that cause us to constrict and feel fear. And, you know, we did a little bit, a little bit, kind of explored a little bit of that in that last conversation you and I had. And, because that's where there's so much treasure there. Yeah. I mean, all of our mythologies, which, gosh, you know, intri- we're talking about Hollywood and storytelling and entertainment. I mean, humans have been telling stories since the beginning of, of language because it's how we teach each other how to live. It's how it's the wisdom passed through the, through the generations that teach the young ones how to live. Mm-hmm. But our stories today, they're not really here to teach us how to live. They're here to make someone money. Mm. largely. I mean, that's... Well, yeah, there's some exceptions. I, I, I love what Oprah's doing, for example. And there's some great, great films that come out once in a while that have me think, oh, okay, Hollywood's actually got a real sure. conscious streak. But yeah, totally. I mean, obviously, the studios need to make their money back. These are really expensive films. And so they invest in a lot of content that is more for that instant gratification than transformation. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, there's a lot of amazing transformational art and film and music. It's just not called that. Mm-hmm. And and quite frankly, look, if it isn't amazing, I don't care what the message is. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I don't want to watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, let it be good, first and foremost. It's got to be good. It has to have a, a level of quality. I mean, I, when I was managing, uh, I don't want to go down that path, but I've, oh. I've heard a lot of crappy music with great messages. Oh, yeah. And I will never listen to it twice. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get a melody with that powerful message? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. Well, good. Well, Caduce, let's, uh, again, we're, this is a little bit shorter conversation than normal, and that's okay, man. We'll have you back on again in the future. We'd love to dive in deeper into some of these other subjects, but I want to finish. Well, I want to ask you this one question, and then we'll finish with our five key takeaways finale. We'll rock through this. Right. And the question is this, what do you think is the biggest challenge facing men today? Mm. And what wisdom can you offer in the face of it? I think one of the biggest challenges facing men today is our sometimes lack of willingness to share what we're actually feeling as we're feeling it Mm. and wanting to put on that tough guy, got this kind of facade in such a way that doesn't really allow us to share and heal in the process of sharing those feelings. And so they become these festering things underneath the hood that end up coming out in subconscious ways. We might tackle someone on a football field 
more aggressively than we really need to. We wonder why. Mm. Maybe it's because we've had suppressed feelings we haven't really given ourselves the space for. Mm. So I love seeing these men's groups popping up and men sitting down with each other intentionally about sharing what they're feeling, which is a tradition that women have had for a long time. They don't need a formal men's group Uh to really have that happen. They're pretty natural at letting their emotions be communicated. And and that's how we release these emotions is, is in the sharing of them. Yeah. Beautiful, man. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Well, let's wrap up. I know you only have a few minutes left. Uh, we're going to rock out now with the five key takeaways finale. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, man. Number one, key insight. What's the one key insight that you would offer listeners that you believe can make a meaningful impact on their lives because it has in yours? Mm, I would say before any lofty goals of transforming the world, changing the world, let's start with our own backyard. I like that. Yeah. I take a look at the man in the mirror now more than anything. And, and this is years into doing self-improvement work and realizing that I, I fell into that, the sexiness of coaching others. Meanwhile, not necessarily always taking my own coaching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, getting yeah. integrity with that has been. Yeah, that's huge, man. I, I grew up without naming names. Uh, I grew up exposed to families who were very committed to saving the world in all kinds of different ways whether religiously or just some kind of big mission and yet their own families were a disaster. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't know how you're going to save the world. If your family, you can't even really show up at home. Yeah. And I think you could still have some degree of effectiveness out there, but I know for me, it's been a very conflicting feeling when I'm in front of a room coaching a bunch of people about mm-hmm. something that I haven't quite embodied. <laughs> Yeah. It feels it feels a little bit like yeah. I'm playing a character. Uh-huh. I'm speaking my dream life into existence rather than yeah. check off that box. So yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's about looking at that man or woman in the mirror and squaring off with what's really going on there. Well, we we definitely I do believe we teach what we want to learn. Mm, yeah, very true. Okay, number two, key mentor. Name another man that you've been inspired by, living or dead that you would recommend our listeners to learn more about? Hmm. Well, I really love, really love a few people that are putting out great content that's so raw. My friend Daniel DiPiazza is a really, really great inspirational entrepreneur who pours into other entrepreneurs about what it means to live an entrepreneurial life and supporting all of the things that are distinct to that. So I love Daniel. And to throw it back, and to talk about India one more time, being in Gandhi's ashram while we were out there was incredible. It reminded me of why I loved Gandhi so much. There's obviously mm. all the impact that he had then to see where he sat every morning to pray. Wow. And then to see where he sat every afternoon to build, you know, he would, he would sew, he would create clothing. And that was one of his practices to stay really grounded in the world and humble. And so he had this routine that kept his life in a certain consistency that then could create the capacity that was what we experienced as revolutionary. So I love being at Gandhi's place. It made me want to go back to some of his books. Uh, yeah. Experiment with Truth. and Yes, I love that book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a lot of wisdom that I still carry with me to this day from that book, Experiments with Truth. 
Yeah, it's good. It's a good deep dive. So yeah, I would say those two. Awesome. And if you're listening and you're driving and you can't write this down, don't worry about it. This is all going to be in the show notes at brianreeves.com slash men this way podcast. It's brian with a Y, reeves.com slash men this way podcast. So number three, Caduce, the key resource, your most impactful, inspiring book, movie, or podcast of the last year. Mm, key resource. Well, <laughs> I'm reading a book right now by Phil Knight the creator of Nike yeah. it's called shoe dog in only a few pages has managed to inspire me in a major way that really play as big as possible. Wow. Cool. And so I'd say, yeah, Phil Knight, and he did a great job with this book. Okay. Excellent. Number four, key investment in the last year. What's the best thing you spent money on under $10,000? Mm, the best investment that I've made in the last year, I would say, investing <laughs> under 10,000 for sure. Meditation. Mm. My meditation practice again and again and again, yoga and meditation are the two things that I've found to be the most supportive in keeping me present in my body, you know, and really in my integrity within that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's been a great practice. Wonderful. Thank you. And speaking of which, uh, the last key takeaway is key practice. Please offer one consistent practice, spiritual, creative, personal, or relational that has served you well and that you challenge our listeners to take on for the next seven days. Mm, Okay. So try this one out. Whenever you feel some feelings and you're not quite sure how they'll add up to your partner or whoever you feel these feelings about, maybe start the conversation by saying permission to be untransformed, Mm. to just get messy and share Mm -hmm. what's coming up and and do I have your permission (laughs) to go there? Uh And ideally it first is about coming from responsibility. I think that's best practice that I've noticed in resolving conflict in relationship has been going to my side of the street first Mm -hmm. and making sure I clean that up, take responsibility for whatever it is I think could be potentially sourced by me. And then if they're so inspired for them to share anything that might be on their end too, but it's important to, to lead with that in those conversations. Yeah. And if for someone who's listening, who may not be in a relationship, what would you offer around like a practice around feelings? Cause that's come up a few times in this conversation. Yeah. I would say, Hmm. Find the people around you that you feel comfortable to share those things with that. Maybe you don't share at the office, maybe you don't share in the average conversation, but you know, you feel like you need to share it. Yeah. You know, and everybody's got somebody. And if you don't have somebody, then there's resources, you know? Totally. Yeah. I'm actually thinking of a client that I'm working with right now. He's just about to turn 40 and he's running into some really big, uh, he's very successful in his life because everything that, that a man would want and he's running into old wounds and old stuff that oof hasn't felt for a lifetime since mm. you know for 30 for since he was a kid. Mm. And so he doesn't have anywhere else to go. And he can't, and he's actually in a relationship and he can't put that on his partner. She can't hold it for him. She's not his therapist. She's not supposed to be. Mm. And so I like what you said. Find someone. If maybe you do have a friend or a community around you that you can bring your authentic feeling experience too. But if you don't hire a therapist, work with a coach, 
somebody with whom you can move through that because it will rob you of your vitality Mm -hmm. if you keep those things stuffed down. Yeah. Yep. So key. So key. That's why your work is so important. Our work is so important because we're creating space for the stuff that we have some shame about, some confusion about those things that aren't necessarily easy to offer in public arenas that we, we move through the world. So yeah, it's really important that we all get to share those truths. And even if they're in process, right, they might not be the definitive. Totally. Of course. But yeah, to be in process. So, uh, Caduce, where can people learn more about what you're up to? So CamerReady.co is the website, CamerReady.co. And then we have Caduce on Instagram, Q-U-D-D-U-S. Awesome, man. And again, all that will be in the show notes. Caduce, thank you so much for taking the time to do this with me today. I so appreciate you saying yes and bringing your true self. Thank you, brother. Yeah, it's a pleasure, brother. You're doing such great work. And every time we get to talk, it's always a pleasure. So namaste. Likewise, my friend, no mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Love that. Be well. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you again to Caduce Philippe. Find my friend Caduce at CameraReady.co, C-O. And of course, this and any other links and resources and Caduce's five key takeaways will be in the show notes at BrianReeves.com slash podcast. If you were served by this and think that others should hear it too, please share this episode or just write a review so that you too can lead more men this way. And don't forget to subscribe yourself while you're at it. And if you'd like to email me your feedback or any insights you took from this or any episode of Men This Way, just email Brian, Brian with a Y, at BrianReeves.com. And as always, I am your thriving life and relationship coach, Brian Reeves, Brian with a Y, Reeves. Until soon, keep your head up, your breath relaxed, and your thoughts inspired.